Hi, and welcome back to Educators Let's Get Real. I'm Jen. I'm Danielle. And today we are talking about the second part of Principle 5. And kind of, this is what Danielle always likes the second parts. I do. Because love we the talk parts, about the problem yeah. in the first part and then how to put it together in the second part. Yeah. And this one I think really reaches out to all of us, especially if, after you're coming back from spring break. Yeah, the last quarter of the school year. Last quarter of the school year, testing's getting ready to happen, plus grading. You just did parent-teacher conferences, and you are kind of feeling like you're losing control, like we talked about last week with the Zero effect. Yeah, we talked a lot about last week, you know, this idea of things you have actual control over, things you have influence over, and then things that are just generally out of control, out of your control, and... It's really hard sometimes to admit you don't have control over something. Um, As a control freak and someone who likes to be in control, being able to tease that apart. What do I actually have control over and what do I not is really the first step. And and I know the homework last week was, you know, what do you what do you actually have control over? Mm -hmm. And can you tease apart the things that are in your area of influence that you can actually impact or, you know, is it something you just have to let go? And I think one of the hardest things is actually just letting go of the things that you have no control over or no influence over. And knowing that for right now, it is out of your realm. We talked last time a little bit about, you know, we can't change the fact that, you know, parents didn't read with their kids when they came to school. We can't change the fact that, um, you know, kid X doesn't have discipline at home. We, I can't change that. I can't even influence that. No, you can't. I can, I can take care of that here at school and when they're in that circle, but at the end of the day, I can't fix their home lives. And I think that's a really hard thing as a teacher to, to come to terms with and knowing that, you know, I just wish I could take some of these babies home with me and love them and show them a different path, but I can't. And I think as educators, we're expected to, when the whole movement of No Child Left Behind came, we're expected to bring every kid to proficiency, which ideally we should. Yeah. But then as educators, we put that unrealistic, I think, sometimes goal on ourselves. And so then you feel like you have to fix the home life because maybe it's not happening at home. And we know if our hierarchy of needs aren't yeah. being met, then they're not learning. Or because maybe for three years they didn't learn and now they're with you and they're in a good situation. Or they just had something horrible happen and all of a sudden yeah. they stop learning. And there's times when you have to do exactly what you say and look at what is in your circle of control and what isn't yeah. and not beat yourself up on it. And spend so much time and make your worth about that. Yeah, and I'm not saying, you know, I think we all know in the education world, right, you're a mandated reporter. I'm not saying ignore those things. Oh, absolutely not. What I'm saying is, at the end of the day, when their behaviors are out of control, when the, you know, when all the things feel out of control, mm-hmm. um, it's it gets chalked up under the category of things I can't control, but I can control this part of it when they're here with me, um, thinking specifically of students. But think about this also in, in, your, in your whole life, right? Um, outside of your job as a teacher, outside of your job as an educator, um, there are so many things that are not in our control that you have to just 
be able to let go. You have I to do your best and you have to figure yeah. out what can I do? And so we talked about school. So, yeah, so a little bit with that with school is like, can, what can I do at school? I can love them at school. I can yeah. show them their growth at school. I can show them their progression at school, but it might not show up on the test. But as long as they can yeah. show that progression and they know they're loved here, we're there. When you're at home... It could be, you know, I was just, you just have to do your best. Yeah. I was just thinking, I can't control the fact that the gas prices are $4 a gallon. That is not under my control. I can't even influence that. I can't impact that. So I gotta, I gotta figure out what is in my control. Can I walk more? Can I bike more? Can I, you know, make somewhere changes somewhere else in my budget to if, if it's a budget thing, right? So what is actually under your control? Now I'm not apply to it. That I can apply that energy towards, right? Me venting and going off about gas prices and all the things that are happening in the world, world that could overwhelm you is energy that you can take and harness and put somewhere else that you actually can control and impact. Or absolutely, or and, someone in your life, a friend, a, a child, a significant other, yeah. a, a sibling who may be having a really difficult time. You cannot live their life for oh, yeah them. Yeah, and I think that is um the a hard thing to do is to realize um you know, you see the self-destructing tendencies of people you love and genuinely care about. And I've read so many books that you know, there's this balance between a bound a boundary is is a line of love um and there's a mm-hmm. fine line between enabling and helping. And being able to tease out that line of I'm actually just helping or no, you've got to, you got to hold your own crap and, and, and I can't fix it for you. And that's okay. Um, I think about this with our kids, right? Like my personal children, I can, I probably could fix all their problems, but, but part of the things I need them to know and learn as a, as a human is some, eventually I'm not going to be there to fix it for you. And it kills you. And so I need you to have skills and strategies to be able to do this, right? So I want them to know what is under their control. What can they do to to solve their own problems? And I think that's really, really just a hard concept to do is to sweep in and fix everything. That's, I think, a natural tendency. And as an Enneagram too? Yeah. It's really <laughs> natural for me to go in or want to help. Yeah. And I think for the helpers out there, then you stop taking care of yourself. And teachers, let's be honest, you're swooping in and you're trying to fix 20, 30 kids' problems and maybe colleagues and then your life outside of school and who is getting totally neglected. Yeah, and I just think there's so much to be said about, um, I joke, on our coaching team a little bit, we say, we, we see your monkey. Everybody carries a monkey on their back. And that monkey is sometimes flinging poop, yeah. right? And once in a while, we'll hold someone else's monkey for them. But eventually, we have to give the monkey back, right? You have to hand them back their things. And they have to deal with the monkey. And they have to figure out what can they control. You know, like, I can impact your monkey and, and help. But at some point, I've got to hand that baby back to you. And, and so I think that when you're thinking of areas that you can control, especially mm-hmm. in a profession where so much of our job revolves around other people and having to deal with their monkey, I'm not always in control of the monkey down the street. You're not. 
and you have to <laughs> That's a weird control analogy, your monkeys. Now you guys are all going to be visualizing monkeys. But one good thing that he talks about, simple, simple, simple way, is that the first, you know, the first step you need to take is to be self-aware and to know when you're feeling your high levels of distress. And then Danielle and I were talking, you have to figure out your emotion, which can be really hard because we yeah. simplify emotions to some very basic ones. Like happy, I'm angry, sad, I'm depressed, yeah. I'm happy, I'm sad. But there's a, a ton of different emotions and you have yeah. to be able to tease it out to know what you're feeling and why. So one way he really talks about it is to jot it down. Yeah. And I'm, I was never a huge journal, journaler and I still at times I'm like, I'm too tired or I just don't want to do it. But really just to set that five, ten minutes apart yeah and everything i've read or listened to it they all come back to journaling in just 10 minutes a day five minutes a day set the timer yeah increase in it but really write down what's the problem what am i feeling yeah and then just like what we talked about before why 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 do i have control do i have control over this and i think we do a really poor job as a society in my opinion of identifying feelings how are you feeling good how are you feeling i'm okay how are you feeling? Tired. Tired. How are you feeling? Okay. Like we do a bad job of actually identifying our feelings. And I think some of that is I'm feeling really pissed off right now, but that's socially unacceptable to say, right? We don't want to say, listen, I'm really struggling, right? It feels like a sign of weakness. So I think getting really honest with ourselves and being able to actually identify a true feeling is a skill and something that's very hard. And I think about our students, right? Our students are having a hard time identifying a feeling. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because they don't see adults in their lives Identify the identifying their feelings. And I think as the adults, I think we have a hard time identifying our feelings, truly authentically identifying and speaking our feelings. Because we see it as weakness. In a way that serves the purpose of identifying a feeling, right? So the per- And not to wallow in it. You don't sit there and wallow and, necessarily. And not the fact that a feeling is bad. Nothing's bad. Your feelings are your feelings and 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 I don't I shouldn't have to apologize for the way I'm feeling. No. Um but I feel like in this society or maybe my perception of this society is we have to say we're okay. Or unless you're tired, you're not working hard enough, right? Like that's the that is maybe some of the baggage I carry with me, mm-hmm. right? is if I'm like, oh, I'm well rested, I feel great, all the things that somehow I could have been doing more because burnout is socially acceptable. Whereas actually it's not and it shouldn't be. Burnout should be a sign that's like, oh, red flag, red flag, red flag. Um, Okay, I feel like I've went off on this really long tangent about (laughs) monkeys and emotions and feelings. But But I think what you were getting at, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, is like we need to understand our emotions. And so then when we write it down, so we know it's okay to feel emotions, okay to say, I'm really overwhelmed. Okay, why am I overwhelmed? Or I'm really stressed or I'm really pissed off. Okay, good. Good job identifying it. Now, why are you and, and and before and teasing it out yeah. to maybe why you are because maybe some of it you have yeah so right reason a list. you're upset about like yeah if i'm upset about uh an unfunded mandate that came down and it pisses me off cuz i can see what it's going to do okay well me being mad isn't yeah, going to help the situation yeah. so i i allow myself we've talked about this before yeah. 2 minutes to be mad 
write down my feelings. Okay, now I know I'm mad. What about it upsets me? What's my fear of it? What can I do to, um, in my control? Like, what is within your control in that situation that, I that can you do. actually can put your energy for? Because I can say I'm mad about this mandate and I can wallow in the fact that it's dumb or... Which will never change anything, right? Me no, just, absolutely not. Me just venting to everybody I know about all the things never fixes the problem. And in unfunded mandated, come down from the state, coming down from the federal government, I can't change. I can impact potentially, but I can't fix that. Right. We can write, we can go out and speak, but what you do for yourself and what you do in your classroom, you have to figure out what's in your control. Because I think once we do that and we act within our circle of control, you feel better because yeah. you're you're activating. You're um, working. He talks about later in this chapter about the compound effect, which which I've read numerous times. It's one of my first books that I've ever read, and basically the theory is, and I know we talked about this in se- season one, is that small steps done consistently over time mm-hmm. add up to real and lasting impactful change. And this applies if you're trying to lose weight, or you're trying to get into a self care routine, or you're trying to improve test scores or whatever the thing. It's not going from zero to 60. It's going from zero to one to two to three to four to five to six. That makes it more manageable. That 1%. That 1%. That one step forward, right? Um, and I think what happens here is that he says in here the best way, the all or nothing mindset guarantees failure. And I think that's so true, right? It's Three steps forward, two steps back. Well, you're still one step ahead, right? Three steps forward, two, you know, two step backs. You're still building that progress. It's never a straight line. It's never a straight trajectory of I was here and now I'm here. It's like up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And eventually I'm going to get over here. You will. Um, and I think that is the thing here is that we have to be able to give ourselves a really small, micro, manageable goal. Um I love in here when he talks about goals, he says that it's a moderate difficulty goal. It's a goal that will challenge you, but you still have to try. And there's that fine line, right? You're not setting a goal. He talks in here about a marathoner, which I love to run. So, so I was about to talk is, about it too. So this, is my, this is my thing. He said I was working with a lady whose goal was to run a marathon and he was trying to coach her to like, can you run one lap today and two laps tomorrow and three laps the next day and slowly build up your endurance. And she's like, no, I'm just going to go out and run. Um, And she ran herself ragged trying to run. She ended up running five miles at the very most before she got injured and completely gave up. And it was because she tried to do too much too fast. And I think that is something I do. I go from zero to a hundred. I'm jumping with two feet. Let's do all the things. But I have learned that you really have to step that thing back and you have to say, what can I actually, what is the smallest thing that is going to challenge me to do something Absolutely. that then will force me to build something else on? I call it habit stacking. I think it's all the same thing, right? Where you're, you're adding on just something else. You get good at something, good, add on another small thing. Good, add on another small thing. Good, add on another small thing. And I think that is the mentality that we have to have, whether you're talking about school, whether you're talking about mandates, whether you're talking about 
you know, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, whether you're talking about any of those things, your relationships. Listen, don't go from like ignoring your child or your spouse completely <laughs> to smothering them. They're going to be like, listen, leave me alone, right? But you I think have- it even goes in your daily life though. I mean, think about, and I'm horrible at this. And my husband will tell you I'm horrible <laughs> at this. I'm like, it's Saturday. I got to clean out all the cabinets and then I got to change the sheets and I got to do every piece of laundry in the house and I got to clean the bathrooms and I have to do this and I have to do this and I try to get everything done in one day. And Brene Brown talks about it too in her book. Like I am the person who'd be like, okay, yeah, everyone's coming over in two hours. Can we get some fresh paint? Can we look at the flowers? (laughs) Can we do this? And I do that in my daily life. Yeah. So it might not even be, and I am the person too who would try to run everything. Yeah. To slow down those habits, but I have to slow down my daily expectations. Yeah, and I think we've said this before in the podcast, I'm sure, is we overestimate what we can get done in a year and (laughs) underestimate what we can get, or overestimate what we can get done in a day and underestimate what we can actually accomplish in a year. And I think that's so true. I'm like the person that will like, I can do 48 things today because I have got it timed down to a second. But like, my kid woke up sick this morning or... My husband wants to have a conversation, but mm-hmm. like I didn't plan that into the schedule. So having that flexibility, I think uh, I love I love the saying, reach for the stars. Shoot for the stars, even if you miss you'll or shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. I think he has an interesting perspective in this in this section that he says reaching for the stars is a recipe for failure. And I love this idea that listen, if that's your goal, that's fine, but you gotta bring it back to Earth first. Because you have to start where you're at. Yeah, reach for that mountain, but you also have to have short, manageable steps to help you get there. You know, when you say that, it makes me visualize because I love like reaching for, like, what's your North Star, right? Like, reach for the stars, but what's your North Star? What's that one that you want? And so when you were talking about that and the steps, I'm big, I'm a big visual learner. And so I thought of, and I think it's a book cover or an illustration, like, you know, the night sky with the moon and the clouds and you see all the stars and you just see a little tiny person on the ground with this ladder going up to the moon. Like, what are your steps you're going to take to get to to your North Star? And it doesn't have to be every star in the sky. Yeah. What's your North Star? What is it that you're going for? Great. Now let's back it up. Let's backwards plan that sucker and a short goal. So like you might even say, okay, monthly, here are my goals. Okay, now since you got your monthly, what's your weekly goals to meet that monthly goal? Yeah. And did I make it? Why or why not? And if you didn't make it, guess okay. what? It's okay. But identify why you didn't make it. Yeah. So like one of my goals has been to stay off Amazon Prime. Huge Prime shopper. <laughs> I love Prime. They love my bank account. Um, and I was doing really good. Like I took the app off my phone, but you can still get on it pretty easily. Just let y'all know. Um, but I was doing super good until I had foot surgery. <laughs> and then I was at home by myself from like, cause my husband would go to work and he, he's a teacher and then he coaches. So I was by myself and I'd start thinking about things and I would just go on and bye, bye, bye. I mean, I, oh my gosh, guys, I'm not even gonna, Amazon's been at my house a lot lately. So did I meet that goal? Nope. I'm a board shopper. Yeah. If I get bored or if I start feeling fidgety, I go and shop. And I and I think this is this idea of being able to identify the big place you want to go. And I think about this in my own life a lot is 
I have a vision for my life in five years. I have a vision for my life in 10 years. I have a vision for my life in 30 years, right? Like, what does that look like? But every day I've got to build something to get there. I'm not going to be there today. I'm not even going to be there tomorrow. But every day is taking me a step closer to that vision of the life I want to have. And that can be a life at the end of the year. That can be a life in a month from now, right? So getting really crystal clear. I love what you said. Like I took Amazon Prime off my phone and I'm like, amen, take it all off. I like have all the notifications turned on. I've said this before a I bajillion did, times. But I've told you, I have all I the apps find a way out. around it. I think he <laughs> says in this book, and I love this, we have all of the things, um, the things of our lives have gained control over the functionality of our lives and productivity has suffered as a result. So I think about this, right? I Mm -hmm. was just telling someone the other day, um, I have a very cool app on my phone that allows everything to go away during the school day. Um, And so I get phone calls from only certain people, my kid's school, the babysitter, my husband, my mom. And I only get text messages from certain people and everything else just goes to do not disturb. So they get delivered to my phone. And if I go seek them out, I can find them. But nothing pops up. What has, I can't find, I can find, but it's very hard to find Facebook and Instagram and Mm -hmm. all the other social media apps that have been designed to increase our connectedness, which has actually decreased. That's a whole other story podcast episode. Um, But what it's done is it has increased productivity here at school. Absolutely. Because I don't have the distraction of all the things. And so I think the thing is we have to be able to find a way to focus our attention on a really small task at hand. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let's bring it back full circle here, right? And this is a hodgepodge of a lot of things that have been happening in my brain, apparently, this, <laughs> this podcast. It fits. Um, so the Zorro Circle is all about how do you regain control? And for me, control looks like a lot of different things in a lot of different areas of my life. Um, having the self-awareness to know what is in your control, what is out of your control, and then being able to set small manageable goals to help you work towards that. Um, He talks in this about pizza boxes. There was a college kid who had like the most disastrous fire hazard room and he just drew a circle on his desk, said, can you keep this circle clean? We're going to clean this circle today Mm -hmm. and then we're going to make the circle a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger. And what happens is when you do those things and you gain control of those small areas and you expand it, it's so much easier to manage than to say, I'm going to keep the whole room clean. Well, no, that's really, that's a really hard task. Can you just break it down into a really small and manageable goal? Bite-sized goal. goal. So you might have a bigger goal, but then... Chunk it down. Chunk it down to monthly, to daily. And guys, we know last quarter of school is coming. Woo! Testing's coming. Ugh! (laughs) Grades will be coming again. Ugh! And you're feeling overwhelmed just in school, just in your work life. And then if you have outside life, like with kids who are in school and everything else, their life is exploding. So you're going to have so much on your plate. Yeah. You're going to have a ton. Let's be honest. You got a break. Now you're going to come back with your hair on fire. And I always joke that at Stagecoach, we're the little, little trolls on skateboards with our hair on fire going as fast as we can down the hallway screaming, yeah. But what we want you to do is to make a list of things that are maybe, 
I don't want to say bugging you, but nagging at you, causing you just to lose some sleep or your thoughts keep going back. What is one small goal that you can accomplish quickly? Yeah. So take it down. What's your biggest bang for your buck and then bring it, pare it down. And what happens is we say small goals that you can accomplish quickly. Um, There's so much research that proves like when you get those small wins, think even with kids, right? When they get those small wins, that gives you the motivation to keep moving forward. So can you make it something small that you actually have to work towards and manage it and reach that goal? Because then you've got a win. You've got that drop of uh, dopamine. I did it. You've got that dopamine hit. And you're like, yes, I accomplished something. So then you can tackle the next small goal and the next small goal and the next small goal. And that has real power. So small goals that you can accomplish quickly and then work towards it. Guys, a goal is only as good as the work you're willing to put in towards that goal. And so. remember, like I just said, you might you might have a little setback, like surgery that puts you in front of a phone. But you can't get down on yourself. And you just ask yourself, okay, why didn't I make it? What what's what yeah. happened? And then you move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's not do or die. Yep. Give yourself some grace. It's do Find and your do goal. again. So there's your homework. Make a list of things that are kind of on your mind that are in your control and then start making one small goal on the one that's nagging you the most. We hope that you guys have a great week back. Bye.